Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people here impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. And today I'm joined by Thomas Ramsey. Thomas is the CEO and founder of Neurons, and we're here to talk about how AI can teach us more about human responses. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. Yeah, great to have you on today, Thomas. Um, Could you just tell us a little bit about who you are and a little about who Neurons is as well? Sure. So the short of the long is that um, my background is in neuroscience, so a combination of neuropsychology and then a PhD in neurobiology, which basically means studying the brain and how we make up our minds, basically. Um, done that for many years, and then I was invited to start a company to explore basically how people make decisions in more uh, realistic settings, so that'd be consumer behaviors, managerial decisions, and things like that. So 10 years ago, I started Neurons, which is uh, for a long time, it's been uh, an applied uh, neuroscience company or a consumer neuroscience company. And then a few years ago in 2020, we pivoted to say, now we have enough data to actually start training AI models to predict what we usually would have to measure. So, so that's what we are now is a combination of an AI and a neuroscience SaaS company. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I'm really excited to kind of have you on the podcast today because we're hearing so much about AI right now. Um, You know, from the data experts that I talk to, the cybersecurity experts that I talk to, everyone's kind of giving their own takes on AI. But from an actual AI expert such as yourself, how are you seeing the artificial intelligence space right now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's messy, let's put it that way. Uh, yeah. I think there's, a, on the one side, there's a lot of promises, there's a lot of hype, there's also a lot of uh, under-deliveries, and I think that there's, uh, there's a lot of dynamics going on. And I would say that um, as, you know, having a background in, in neuroscience, and which also implies that you have to deal with lots of data already, you know, 20 years ago, for example, um, machine learning and related methodologies have been something that we've done for quite quite a while. So I haven't been surprised in that sense that this is something that was coming, but I, I've been really surprised at the the pace and the speed and the kind of disruption, if you like, that we've seen over the past half a year even. So, so I think that today, the industry that we see today is really messy in terms of trying to catch up on all the different possibilities and opportunities that are, and at the same time, try to kind of uh, sort the weed from the shaft, so, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, of course. And obviously, you know, when it comes to looking at different AI tools and what makes them tick, what makes them really work, um, how important is the size and quality of a data set when you uh, train those tools? So if you ask me a couple of years ago, I would say that's half of the picture. Um, Today, I would actually say it's probably more because I think that we've seen a kind of a huge uh, you know, democratization of the AI space so that, you know, it's possible now to get machine learning models up and running. It's, you know, fairly easy to learn how to do machine learning. But the actual curation of high quality and high quantity data sets is becoming harder and harder to do, not only because it's it's hard to get, um, you know, to get a, a hold of these data, but it's also hard to have a specific ownership. So you as a company would like to make sure that you have something that is a unique for your uh, for your company and the industry you're addressing. So I would say it's actually more than half of the picture these days. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And and obviously, when you have those tools that are fully trained, how do they really help to optimize every part of a customer's journey? Uh, and that's you know advertising, retail, uh, user experience, and and all of that altogether. Right. So I think the the first thing we need to distinguish between is a distinction between what we call predictive AI, suggestive AI, and generative AI. And I think that by far we've heard and we're hearing most about generative AI these days with the mid journeys and the chat GPTs, for example. Um, but but what we if we start with predictive AI, what that actually means. Some people call it boring AI, which is because it's uh, it's not as exciting as it producing something really fancy. But what it's actually doing is to you give it data, and that could be an image, it could be audio, it could be data in general, and it based on what it's learned about, let's say, human behavior, it then start, starts to or tries to predict what the outcome of that will be. Um, so, for example, in our context, what we are doing at Neurons is that we have built a database on eye tracking and EEG, so basically how people where they pay attention to different assets. Uh, it could be a website, it could be an ad, for example. Also, how they respond emotionally and cognitively. So that's, you know, we have a huge data set on how people actually respond. But then we built a predictive AI that now can predict accurately exactly how people are likely to respond, even before we start measuring on people. So that means that the predictive AI can kind of replace what something, you know, something that would usually take you three or four weeks and would cost you something like 30,000 euros, you can now do in 30 seconds to maybe 10 minutes, uh, depending on whether it's an image or a video. And then you can then have a, a, an accurate prediction of how people respond. Um, so that's predictive. The suggested piece is when you take those results and you say, okay, what does that actually mean? What should I do about it? So, for example, if I, I, I find that I don't really have too much attention to my brand, for example, uh, in, my, in my advertising or my campaign or something like that, well, what should I do? And then a suggested AI will learn how to interpret those data and then tap into a knowledge base that you provide and you train it on to come up with recommendations. It's kind of a knowledge base like ChatGPT, for example, but then you can probe it, you can come up with different suggestions, and you can even use it as a prompt generation for generative AI. And then finally, then generative AI, you can then use that to um, provide new versions of your asset, for example. So that's kind of three different types of, of AI solutions. Yeah, that makes sense. And and obviously, as I mentioned in the introduction, you know, we have been speaking to a lot of different business owners across all horizontals and all verticals. And I think everyone in some form is, you know, really trying to implement uh, an element of AI into their business. And, you know, so, so they should. It, it's, it's proven to have a lot of different use cases. But for, for those kind of business owners that are really struggling to implement an aspect of artificial intelligence. Um, do you have kind of any advice on best practices when it comes to, you know, really getting started uh, in making that change? Yeah, I think that's an excellent question. Uh, one of the things that, you know, even before you start considering AI is to actually start looking at your data. And I think that we shouldn't forget that there's a lot of strengths in using AI because they can pick up on different um different variations and different signals and they can you know create these uh, predictive engines for example for you to understand what's going on in your business and by that you can be better at you know let's say predicting your sales numbers or your churn rates for example the problem with that very often with an ai model is that it kind of becomes a black box it's sometimes really hard to understand exactly what the ai is doing so that means that 
if you now, now need to turn that prediction into knobs that you can turn on, then sometimes that can be a little harder for you to, 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 to unpack, so to speak. That's why we shouldn't forget that having a proper data science team or a data scientists on, on your team is actually very important as well, just to be able to run non-AI models, more kind of statistical analyses. So that's kind of the first thing, you know, be data aware, if you like, and data savvy is the first step. And only when you really need to have that, you have huge data sets, then you should start looking into, you know, machine learning, AI, if that helps. And then I would also say one of the things that in general is always a good thing to do, especially these days that things are moving so fast, is to try to just you know, try things out. It doesn't hurt to, you know, uh, work a little bit chat GPT, follow people that actually are doing, uh, working with different uh, prompts, uh, for example, to, or prompt optimization, for example, and see what, what are people doing in different contexts. And then on top of that, you know, basically have a team and inspire your team to to challenge the way that they're currently doing things and see other ways that we can optimize the ways that we are currently doing things. But there's always stuff that we can improve and have, you know, consider some of these AI engines to be like a right hand uh, kind of assistant for you. Yeah, that makes sense. Would you say that there are some companies where their data just isn't really ready for AI? Oh, I think that's one of the biggest problems. Uh, you know, we've just seen some of the biggest AI companies like OpenAI, and we've seen you know Facebook, you know, the Metas, and, and 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 a lot of different companies now are getting pushback because they have trained their data sets on publicly available data, and there's a pushback in terms of people not you know basically saying that they haven't agreed to those terms that they can train their data sets on that. So I think that in that sense, yes, they have had and they still have huge data sets, but the question is. Are the uh, data you know, valid? Are they allowed to use it? The second you should be really aware of when there's a company saying that they can predict, let's say, sales numbers or churn rates or marketing uh, effects, for example, is that you have to also ask, where does the data come from? Because if you have a data set that is trained on, you know, uh, models that are trained on data sets that are representative of, let's say, only Europeans and North Americans, for example, you need to be aware of that. And the question is then, uh, do you have different segments that you are interested in in targeting as well? So I think being aware of that, asking all the, I wouldn't call them naive, but still kind of really kind of down-to-earth questions is something you have to do. That makes a lot of sense. And, and final question for you today, Thomas, you know, as I kind of mentioned, we're seeing so many different use cases. Um, maybe not even in a, a personal um, context, uh, maybe not even in a business context, but from a personal context, what's the coolest thing that you've seen AI do uh, over the last year or so? Oh, I think um, I, th I think that what we are leading up to these days is the personalized chatbot. Now, there's there's pros and cons for that, but I think that I, I keep on asking, where's my Jarvis? So with the, with the Iron Iron Man reference here, I think that we to to a large extent. The way that we are currently using computers in terms of emails or phones and everything, it's very kind of, uh, it's very techy still. We're still having a pretty uh, steep learning curve in terms of having to learn how to operate a phone, how to operate a computer, for example. And I think that what we're going to see more and more from now on is that we are going to talk more to our computers. We're going to talk more to uh, basically an avatar or some kind of agent that can do things for us instead of us having to learn yet another app or yet another login system and things like that. So I haven't seen any companies actually doing that to the end, so to speak, but I think that we're seeing the very kind of you know, emergence of that coming right now. 
I was going to say, we can't be too far off that, right? No, it feels like just around the corner. I wouldn't be surprised if it came today or tomorrow. No, some re- really good uh, points you raised there, Thomas. Thank you so much for coming on to the EM360 podcast today. I do appreciate your time. Absolutely, and thank you for having me. And also thank you to everyone who listened to this podcast as well. We hope you took a lot away from today's episode, but for further information on what we talked about, please head on over to neuronsinc.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series, but until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms, follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn, and for more great daily content, please head on over to EM360Tech.com.